Well, hello everyone. My name is Paul Henderson. I'm the administrative pastor at Capstone Church here in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm also the host of this podcast called Fringes of the Faith. And if you're watching or listening, you've tuned in to season three, which is a brand new season. And on this podcast, we cover some pretty controversial topics. We don't shy away from them. But I would just like to say as a disclaimer that some of the views and the opinions expressed by our special guests on this program do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Capstone Church or its leadership. But I will say that we do hold to one opinion that's the most important to us. It's the opinion of the Bible. So whatever the Bible says is what we believe. And so with that, we thank you for watching. Hope to hear from you soon. God bless you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fringes of the Faith. I am Paul Henderson, Administrative Pastor at Capstone Church here in Fort Worth, Texas, and sitting next to me is a man after God's own heart. This is Timothy Boyd. How you guys doing? Timothy, how are you, brother? I'm doing fantastic. Good to see you, man. It really is. Thank you for having me, Paul. Yes, yes. Well, as you know, on Fringes of the Faith, uh, we tackle some of the weird topics in the Bible, you know, like UFOs and Nephilim and ghost and you know this season season three we've already had a couple of episodes and we've talked about the lgbtq plus uh movement and some of the things associated with that well today is no different we are going to tackle another controversial subject if you're ready we're going to talk about critical race theory yes um i just uh, i had heard about this and i know that um, there's a little uproar in our society about this. And I think the uproar uh, that's going on, Paul, is that uh, people don't understand exactly what uh, critical racial racism uh, is. You know, you're absolutely right, because when, when this kind of emerged into the spotlight just recently, actually, um, it's like it's almost like, okay, what are you talking about, critical race theory? And then I, I started hearing things about, well, you know, there's there, everybody's a racist, and I'm like, wait a second, seriously? And so at that point, I began to investigate it myself, and and I was a little surprised to to learn what I discovered out of it that um, it's not all of that stuff. No, it's none of that whatsoever. It's actually just a theory about um, our uh, the laws and racism that is kind of woven into mm-hmm. or is uh, looked at as being uh, woven into our Constitution. Well, yeah, and so that's why it's called critical, critical race theory. It's a critical look into how racism played a major role in the establishment of some of the laws and, and you know, even some say even the United States Constitution. Yes, 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 uh, just due to the fact that uh, our laws are uh, based on the Constitution and when it comes to uh, the freedoms of the rights uh, mm-hmm. that we have, um, s- this particular thing with race tends to just creep in. Mm. And when it creeps in, it just makes it harder for us uh, as individuals, and, not, and I'm not talking about me as color, but uh, just as individuals to understand that if you cut me, I bleed red just like you do. Exactly. Well, and you know, uh, I tend to think of race as there's really only one race. It's the human race. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. And did you know, here's something that I found really interesting. This is super interesting, is that even though critical race theory has been in the spotlight now for the last uh, couple of years, like really in the spotlight, it's been around since 1980. 
Night, the, the mid-'80s, yes. Yeah. Do you know anything? How did that get started? Well, actually, there was a uh, professor in um, – that was a professor that was teaching at Harvard. Okay. And uh, I forget the gentleman's name. Derek Bell. Derek Bell. Derek, Derek Bell, Bell, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were some students that actually went to Harvard mm-hmm. to actually to take his class. Mm. But when uh, they got there uh, during uh, the um, late-'80s, he was no longer there. Mm. But they wanted to know why, actually, the students that there were several students that got together and they were looking at the um, differences in the professors and the colors or race of the professors compared to those who were actually trying to take this class. Derek, okay. he was actually the only black um, um, instructor at that time. The professor? Yeah, the professor. Yes, he was the only professor. Okay. And so what I learned about this is that uh, Professor Bell first introduced this idea of critical race theory, and it it challenges, especially in the 80s, it was challenging how we look at racism in America as a permanent fixture. In other words, his theory that is still, you know, uh, being taught today, his theory is that racism is a permanent fixture, will always exist in our society. Now, I'll have some thoughts on that later on. Okay. But I just wanted to throw that out there, that that was his theory. And he theorized that some of the, um, you know, the, the legislation and the laws passed, especially criminal laws, right? they were uh, disproportionate uh, penalties. Yes. Criminal penalties, mm-hmm. depending on what color your skin was. And early... In the uh, civil rights uh, protesting, uh, there was even uh, uh, presidents that actually vetoed bills that was uh, actually trying to make uh, equal rights for uh, the uh, uh, black people of the United States. And that was just amazing that, and this is when this all really started. Mm -hmm. It was about um, changing laws to just like the Jim Crow laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, do you, it, to drink out of this water fountain, mm-hmm. we should be able to drink out of this water fountain. Right. But to video bill just because to say that there's a water fountain for a black and a water fountain for whites, to veto a bill to say that we can all drink out the same water fountain, it's kind of crazy to me. So the, you're saying that, our, that our, the highest elected official in our land, there were some that were vetoing bills and laws that would have abolished Segregation? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that's interesting. Um, Another thing that Professor uh, Bell uh, studied was uh, an in-depth study on the legal system, including, like I said, the justice system, and how laws were created to perpetuate and sustain racial hierarchies. In other words, I think that's where we derive the term white privilege from um, and, and some of the other things that have came out of this study. And it was determined, based on uh, Dr. Bell's study, that, that there were stark racial inequality, that stark racial inequality persisted despite the civil rights legislation that had come yeah. through, right, in yes. the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And that uh, it was dominant before the civil rights movement, it was dominant during the civil rights movement, and it has been dominant after the civil rights movement. And I really, truly believe it has to do not just with... Um, Racist, racism, it has to do with money and power. Hmm. 
Um, Explain. Uh, really, the um, uh, whites have always found themselves to be more dominant than uh, other races in this country, hmm. and that this was uh, their country, and they want to keep it that way. They want to keep it white. Hmm. Uh, excuse me, I don't mean any harm when I say that, but uh, the power, if you will look at our legal system, if you will look at all the judges that we have, and um, thank the Lord we're about to elect a uh, black woman to the um, to the highest court in the land, um, laws were looked at and written for from the earth from the time that we arrived here in the United States was to protect the white people. Hmm. Okay. And that's what critical race theory is saying. That uh, that's really that they're looking at. That's what they're they're actually looking at. It helped they're looking at the laws and I'll give you a fine I'll give you an example. The example is if Paul if you and I were driving down the street mm -hmm. and there's a police officer sitting over there and we both commit the same violation. Hmm. And the police officer says, uh, well, we're going to let Paul go because he's white. Mm -hmm. And then they stop me because I'm black. This is, an, uh, this is the injustice just due to the fact that we both committed the violation and we both should have been stopped. Mm -hmm. And this is where the thought behind the critical um, uh, race of theory. Theory, yeah, the okay. word theory, comes into play. Uh, what, what was it that possessed that law officer to let you go and stop me? Mm. Was it my color? Mm. So this is where the theory comes in, and once again it comes back to the laws of understanding that behind these laws there could be just a little bit of Racism. Another example is uh, uh, Washington versus the uh, state. Uh, there was a case in Washington, D.C., where they um, opened up a training for uh, police officers. They wanted police officers for uh, the um, a District of Columbia, mm -hmm. uh, Columbia, Columbus. And what they did was is they did a, put a test out. Mm -hmm. And the test was biased. Okay. And because the test was biased, the black police uh, people that were trying to get onto the police force could not get on the police force, and the whites that was taking the test were. And the reason why the test was biased was because it had nothing to do, to, there was no questions about being a police officer mm. or how you would do your job. Mm. The, the test was on your vocabulary okay. to where someone's um, vocabulary that had nothing to do with the job allowed them to receive a job. Mm -hmm. It went to court, and the court said, no, there's no bias there because it had nothing to do with race. Mm -hmm. But if you look deeper into the questions that was asked, it had nothing to do with being a police officer, nothing about your life. It just had to do with vocabulary. And at that time, the education of those who were trying to become police officers was not at the level mm. that they could actually answer those questions and become police officers.
And so I think if we really take a hard and honest look at ourselves yes. and our history, yeah. uh, I think it's fairly easy to point to uh, a lot of factors like the testing bias and some of the laws that have been uh, created and, and passed over the, over the years. But I will say this, though, is that out of those, out of those decisions and out of, the, out of this critical race theory, we have made some pretty significant strides yes. in, in some areas. Yes. Some areas we're still lacking. But one of the areas is the creation of racial profiling laws. Yes. Okay, so I was, I was a significant part of that in Fort Worth when the racial profiling laws had been created and then we had to do racial profiling reports. And so it, it's, here's the interesting part is when you dig down into the numbers, what we found is it was actually true. That's the key. And that's what uh, the uh, critical racism um, task force was actually looking at. They were looking at the numbers. And the numbers, from my understanding, is numbers don't lie. That's right. Uh, so it, it did reveal that there was a disproportionate number of African-American drivers that were pulled over versus white drivers. A disproportionate um, number of African American uh, uh, individual citizens that were had been arrested versus white, yes. and so we did find disproportionate numbers, yes. and which supports this critical race theory, theory, right? Yes. Okay, and so out of that, we were able to uh, develop training, mm-hmm. uh, multicultural training, and also uh, policies and procedures that we put in place that would deter an officer from doing those things. Because, you know what, the, the hard thing to figure out, uh, Timothy, is, is this. Why, like in the example that you provided, why did the officer choose to pull over an African-American driver versus a white? And, you know, that really goes to the heart of the person. Yes, right? it, goes yes it, to, does. it goes to the condition yes. of the person yes. that makes those decisions. Yeah. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But I do want to touch on something that you that you said early on, and that was that critical race theory is a theory. It is a theory. Okay. And a theory is defined as a general or abstract set of principles based on the hypothetical uh, based on a hypothetical argument used used on a specific position. In other words, we have the theory of evolution. Yes. Okay, we have the theory of relativity. Yes, we do. We have the flat earth theory. Yes, we do. <laughs> so we have all these theories. We have all these theories floating around, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's true, but what we have to look at, what we have to do is we have to really examine the, the uh, reasons behind the theory and what the theory is trying to accomplish. And I, and I believe, in my heart of hearts, that critical race theory is an examination of racism, where it started, how it's how it's being continued, uh, whether at a systemic level or an individual basis, and it, it's really just it's that it's an examination of, of our, the le- of le- legislation, ultimately of ourselves, yes, of our own hearts, yes. In other words, to find out, okay, uh, is this real? And you know, I'm here to tell you from my experience, I believe it is. If you look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. But once again, I'll say the numbers do not lie. It is, it is present. Okay. So at its core, then, critical race theory is a set of general or abstract principles based on the hypothetical statement 
that the social and economic systems in America have created and sustained racial inequality in all facets of American life. That's what it really boils down to. Right. If you want to make a succinct, succinct statement about critical race theory, it's that one. And when you put it in simple terms, it's this. Systemic racism existed in America before, during, and after the civil rights movement of the 60s and 70s. Now, is that a true statement? It's a true statement. I, I believe true. it is. I, I believe also, and I believe that is, is continuing. That is why we have the big uproar right now. Yes. And let's talk a little bit about the big uproar because I think what has happened, and, and please give me your, your thoughts on this, Timothy, but what I think that has happened is you have some, some, a certain segment of right-wing conservatives that have taken up this, this notion that uh, critical race theory is something bad. It, it, they feel attacked by it. They feel like people are calling them racist. And so what they've done to counter this is they've turned the tables on that, and they said, no, wait, since you're calling it out and you're calling me a racist, that makes you a racist. And I, 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 I really, that's the key word, racism or racist. It is. Uh, to this theory. Mm -hmm. If you put another word in there, I don't think that we would have this uproar. What's that word? Uh, it could be uh, the theory of loving one another. Or the lack of love. Of the, or the lack of loving one another. But it's because the word race mm. has been placed uh, in the center of this critical, uh, as they call it, TRC. I'll say TRC. Um, that people are taking it and running with it and not truly understanding the theory behind mm -hmm. the name of TRC. Right. All they see is the word race. Mm -hmm. And when they see that, uh, it's people use that to divide us. They do. Divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. And we cannot, really, Paul, we cannot love one another if we're always looking at one each another's skin. That's right. That's right. Um, and you know, God even says it. He says that man judges the outward appearance. Man yes. judges the outward appearance. Yeah. He judges the heart. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, back to systemic racism existing in America. Does it exist today? Systemically. Systemically. Now, we have a lot of uh, constitutional protections uh, that have been put into place. Um, and, you know, if, if for it to be systemic these days, we'd have to really take a hard look at the foundational aspects of each and every, every company, um, corporation. For instance, uh, is it Twitter now? Twitter. Twitter. Twitter has been called out now. Mm -hmm. Jack Dorsey, you've been called out for paying your male employees higher than your female employees. And to me, that is... The TRC, it's, it's, it's present. Mm -hmm. Why aren't you paying them the same thing that you're paying your females? Exactly. And so maybe the better word, rather than saying critical race theory, maybe it should be critical discrimination theory. It could be. Could be. It could be. Could it be. could be. But then everybody would be raising their hand up saying you're discriminating against me. Well, that's happening already. <laughs> <laughs> that happens already. <laughs> Okay, but here's the thing. Uh, you know, in life, there are always going to be people and there are always going to be institutions Amen. that hold to a different set of ideas, different preferences, 
and different prejudices. There are always going to be people and institutions that have that. Um, just like Twitter. Right. Apparently, they prefer male employees over female because they pay them more. Yes, they do. Okay. They do. All right. So to deny racism is to deny human nature, basically. Right. Uh, to deny racism is to deny that there's sin in the world. True. Because racism exists, y'all. And it exists in every culture, in every part of the globe. It's not just limited to The white. United States. It's no. not limited to the United States. It's not limited to white people. No. It's not limited against one certain race or culture. And it, actually, there's racism against uh, people in the same culture or same... Um, 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 I know what you're saying. I know what I know what you're saying. This the same culture, exactly. the same cultural, okay. the same group of people. There's racism in the same group of people. Prime example: you have in the uh, Muslim community, you've mm -hmm. got the Shiites and you've got the Sunnis. Yes, hate each other. Right, they hate each other. But they're Muslims. They want to kill each other. But they're Muslims. But they're both. They're both Muslims. They're yes. both of the same culture. Same culture. Right. So it exists everywhere. It's not limited to the United States. It's not limited to one race. It's not limited against one race. Why? Because we live in a corrupt, fallen, sinful world where bad people we and bad ideas exist. Yes. And they will continue to exist. So saying it doesn't matter what the theory is, and I'm all about studying the past in order to correct the future. Amen. Okay? But saying that we're going to rid America of racism... It's like saying we're going to rid America of lying politicians. And that's not it happening. It ain't going to happen, not until Christ returns. Amen. And he makes all things equal. So if critical race theory goes back to the 1980s, and we talked about this already, why has it been given so much attention these 42 years later? It has because now it's a movement. Mm -hmm. And it's a movement that is trying to kill uh, the education of children of our history, hmm. uh, the books that our children read in school, uh, if it has to do anything with race, they're trying to take these things out of the hands of the children. The teachers can't teach it. There are 12 states out there have put legislation into place, and there's 16 more that is, a is about to do the same thing, that teachers have to give equal rights to both sides of a subject, such as TRC. The question is, is why now? And it's because someone has started pushing the buttons that critical racism, uh, TRC, is bad for the right, excuse me, I want to say right-wingers. It's bad that we are trying to change and trying to teach each other to love one another, mm. to make the world equal. Mm. I know that this is going to take forever until Christ comes back, and it may not ever happen. But if I can control other people, I will have power, and I will have money, and I will keep those people down. And that's what people are afraid of giving up, is giving up power, giving up money, and mm. giving up their rights. Okay. So 
what we've been talking about is the initial origins of critical race theory going from the study of the legal system and the justice system and justice system justice system <laughs> easy for me to say yeah. justice system studying that and and looking at it with a critical eye toward uh, the disparage, the disparaging treatment between different races. It went from that, from a study, and it's evolved from that uh, as an attempt to theorize the reasons for systemic race inequalities. Now it's declaring that there is systemic racism, and it's the prevailing and dominant factor in the establishment of the United States of America dating back before the Revolutionary War. And so... In other words, critical race theory is being used to explain that everything about the establishment of the United States of America revolved around racial inequality. Now, I don't know if I agree with that per se. Not totally. Not I, would totally. Not, I would not wholeheartedly agree with that. Mm -hmm. I think that statement is... Um, that statement is forcing someone to believe one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And... It shouldn't be. It, sh it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be spoken that way. Yeah. So I think when you tell when you tell people, especially patriotic citizens of America, when you tell them that the founding fathers create a governmental system, including the United States Constitution, that would create and sustain racial inequality, it rubs them the wrong way. Well, look at the Constitution. <laughs> the Constitution said that we're all created equally, exactly. yeah. and if we're created equally. Why in the world is someone pushing this issue? Yes, and I think it's because you may have, and like in every, every movement that has ever come along, you will have this side, a radical, you'll have a radical left or a right, if you're watching on your screen, a radical left. This side, you'll have a radical right, and then you'll have somewhere in the middle, a moderate position that try to take a look critically at both sides. And I think that you've got this side over here that's on the radical right that has... has as taking the words of those that are on this radical left, meaning that the ones on the radical left are saying, oh, the founding fathers were systemically racist and they founded this country on racism. And you've got the ones on the far right that are saying, see, 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 look, look, look. And they're stirring all this controversy up to do something you said earlier, which is to create division. 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 Exactly. Exactly. And so... It's confusing. It really is. Uh, when you think about it, when you think about, um, you know, when you think about conservatives, the ultra conservatives that latch on to this mantra that calling out racism is in of itself racist. In other words, those that are proponents of critical race theory are actually the racists themselves against those they claim to be racist. It's confusing. Can you say that one more time? Uh, no, I can't. I can't. I'm going I'm to leave it with that. Let y'all figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I've got very conservative Christian views, but I find it very, very difficult to say that those that are telling the truth about or exposing racism at any level, right? individually, systemic, I have a hard time saying that those that are exposing racism are racist. I, I can't go there. That doesn't compute. It, it, how, do you, how do you expose something and be a part of something? I don't know. I don't know. And I think if you look at the recent history in America, if you look at the protests after uh, George Floyd, uh -huh. uh, where the Black Lives Matter movement really, yes. really yes. picked up, I think if you look at that, you'll see people of all color, 
Yes. Black, coming together. Black, brown, white, yeah. standing together, unified in their voice. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah, they are. They are. Okay. All right. Mark Bribery, they're all coming together. Yep. They are saying there's something wrong with the system. Yes. And if that's part of the critical race theory, then why not use that to try to correct? What? That. You want to correct something that's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Brother, you hadn't worked in the government, had you? No, I hadn't. <laughs> but it's, it's just trying to do the right thing, doing what the Lord would want us to exactly. do. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we're going to get to that part here in just a few minutes, but there's something that you said that, that I, I know I'm going to get in so much trouble over. I'm going to get so much flack over this, Timothy, but, you know, I've just got to tell it the way it is. It's the truth. So something that that in my previous life, in my career in law enforcement, something that we studied and something that I found to be a, a cycle of racial inequality. And I'm just going to lay it out there. It's going to be truthful. I'm okay? listening. All right. So here's the thing. You would have police officers that would go into uh, low socioeconomic neighborhoods, okay. mostly black neighborhoods, yeah. and they would make traffic stops, okay? Okay. For any little bitty minor infraction. Right. Okay? Yeah. Let's say there was a busted tail light. Let's say there was a, a, a burned out license plate light. I mean, come on. Something really minor. Right. Okay? And so what the officers I know where would, this is leading to. What the officers would do is they would, they would identify every single violation, yeah. every single one, and they would write a ticket for every single violation. Okay? Because they have the right to or... Because they felt that they had a need to. Because they had the authority. Great word. To do that. Yes. And so what does that do? Well, let's say that this uh, African-American driver, uh, maybe they lost their job. Maybe they, uh, they had a family member get sick. I mean, you don't know. There's different reasons why people can't get their cars fixed right. sometimes. Okay. Right. Um, so they can't afford to get them fixed. Right. And so what happens to those tickets? They can't afford. To they pay can't the pay to afford the ticket. They can't pay to afford the ticket. They can't afford to get the car fixed. What happens? And Those, now we get a warrant. The tickets go to warrant, and so now after so many tickets go to warrant, this African American driver gets picked up on these warrants. He gets thrown into the system. Yes, he does. Or he gets put over. Now, and it we're fighting with the police mm -hmm. because you're pulling me over for a minor um, infraction. And now you're looking for a reason to arrest me. Mm -hmm. And uh, and why is that? And I'm going I'm to let you in on a secret, okay? You know why? Why? I'm just going to tell you like it is. So when you arrest someone, you get to search them. Right. Incident to arrest. Right. And when you search people, you're looking for evidence of more crime. Yes, you are. Okay? Yes, yes. That in and of itself to me is biased policing. It is. To it me, is. It is. And I think that's, I think that's a culture that's in the in the department, or the police itself, uh, and that's something that's always been from back in the cowboy days, hmm. you know, um, that having that authority and that power um, tends to uh, allow you to go further than you really have to. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something that uh, I think police departments really need to look at. Uh, and, and not to change the subject, just 
when we talk about defunding the police, we're not talking about taking money away, but we're actually talking about taking money and, and, and moving it from one place to another to train people to not to do exactly what you and I are talking mm. about. And so what's interesting is based out of that study, based out of the, out of, um, out of the information that we propose to work with uh, auto body shops, okay. so that when we did find infractions like that, instead of writing them a ticket, we would give a business card to the shop and say, hey, this one's on us, go get it fixed. Fantastic. I'd I mean, never heard of that program. Never, well, because it was proposed, whether or not it was implemented, I don't know. That's why I didn't hear about it. Uh, you never know. <laughs> anyway, let's get back on this subject here. I mean, we're on the subject, but let's let's talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, when we look at critical race theory, and, and it's such a controversial topic these days. I think what people are, and, and here's what I think, you know, when you hear about white college, white college uh students that are protesting against other white college students and you know they're calling them out for for being white and you know what i think that really is timothy i don't i don't know that they are that passionate about critical race theory i think that they're just searching for an identity when you've got that going on uh, some of them or, may be passionate but when you start talking about young college students that are expressing uh, remorse over white guilt and white privilege and those kind of things, I'm not so sure that they even understand what that means. I don't think they understand either. Yeah. Now, let's turn that and let's look at January 6th. Okay. What happened at our capital mm -hmm. is a lot different than having white privileged people mm. to actually voice their opinion in the manner that they did. Um, this is part of the uh, CRT because I would almost guarantee you if that was a whole bunch of different colored people doing the same exact thing that it wouldn't have happened the way that it happened. Hmm. I think there would have been a lot more bloodshed and I think there would have been a lot more people hurt hmm. uh, just due to the fact that because it was um, whites that were there instead of a different, different ethical, ethical, ethic, ethic, ethical group that they're okay. Hmm. I never thought of it that way. They're okay. They're, there's, there's nothing that's going to happen, but something did happen. Hmm. I never even considered that uh, aspect of it. And so, you know, you notice I use the word white guilt and white privilege, just like um, saying that our, our entire country was founded on this idea of racism. When you say the word white, white guilt, white privilege, that also creates a little bit of hostility in, it, in the it, white it, culture. It does. It does. But was this, this country was founded on the backs of Afri African-Americans uh, if you look back in the history, mm -hmm. uh, we picked a lot of cotton in this country. Mm. We drove the economy mm -hmm. here in this country. And I think that's where the white privilege okay. uh, part of that came from, is that 
the African Americans did not receive the credit hmm. for what how they were part of yeah, the growth of this country. The contributions. The contributions of this country. Thankfully, now, I mean, when we go back and we look at Black History Month and we look at all these different aspects of history, thankfully now we are getting to, to read a lot more about the contributions of the African-American uh, community. We're reading more, but part of this CRT is to, and if you'll, there's in a lot of school districts, they are trying to stop books uh, being part of the curriculum that will explain to everyone in the class, black, white, Chinese, red, everyone, the history of this country. I'm sorry, but it is our history. And we, that's something that we cannot change, and it's not something that we're going to be able to change. But why not allow people to read the truth hmm. as to what created or, or, or grew this country and made us a great country. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we, are, we are destined to repeat history unless we learn from, from history. history. Right. Exactly. Right. And so, you know, so we talk about, uh, uh, you know, white privilege and white guilt and critical race theory and, and all of these different things, you know, we're, we need to be careful that we're not listening too much to what the world is saying. Amen. Uh, because the world is going to say a whole lot of things that are going to divide us. Well, Paul, I'll say this. We need to do our research mm -hmm. as individuals, mm -hmm. uh, just like we do our research when we're reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. It fills us with the truth. And right. if you dig deep enough, you will come to the truth. And the truth is, is that TRC is nothing but a theory. Yes, and it, it's an important theory, in, in, my, in my opinion, because it, it, we do need to take a critical look at our history. And if there are inconsistencies with biblical values, no matter what it has to do with, doesn't matter if it has to do with race, doesn't matter if it has to do with abortion, doesn't matter if it has to do with, um, um, you know, sexual immorality. We need to take a critical look at all aspects of our lives and see if it lines up with the Bible. Yes. Now I know. Okay, here we go. We just lost a lot of people because now I think, oh, you guys are nothing but a bunch of but, Bible thumpers. Yeah, Bible. No, no. Yeah. Well, you know what? Okay, if I'm a Bible thumper, I'll I'll take that label. Um, and so here's the thing. When you talk about critical race theory in today's world uh, from a social and a psychological perspective, what, what the theory states now is that race is not a biological determiner. It is a social construct, uh, meaning that race was never biologically determined. It's, it's been this, this, this whole thing with race is, is a is construct of society in order to put people in different categories. You know what I'm saying? I, I do understand what you're saying, but I, I have to go back to where we're, once again, we're all created equally. Exactly. And so my question is this. Uh, when did race become not a determining factor, but a delineating factor used to separate us? How come we're being separated 
uh, one particular unit of the human species from another particular unit of the same human species? Why are we being separated like that? When did we ever start having to check a box that said white, Latino, Hispanic, non-Hispanic, African-American? When do we, why, what's the purpose of that? Now, now, I did say this to my wife. I said, what's the purpose of this? And she did remind me, uh, maybe, you know, when you go to the doctor's office, there may be something that's, you know, more uh, like geared toward uh, the, the Caucasian versus the Latino, some medical condition. I don't know. And I thought, well, you know, maybe, I don't know. Well, what, you what know, do you think? Uh, I, I've got to say that we've come a long way in science and, and DNA is DNA. You are who you are. That's it. And we've come from Europe. We've come from uh, Africa. We've come from Asia. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, I'm going to go back to Jesus Christ gave his life for all of us. Mm -hmm. Not some, but each and every one of us walking this earth. And we all bleed red. Yeah. It's, it's, we, we're, we have a different color on the outside, but if you cut us, we all bleed red. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and if you kill us, we all go to one of two places. Either heaven or hell. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that that uh, kind of puts the, the uh, proverbial nail in the coffin of this topic for today. What do you think, Timothy? Uh I think uh, it does. I think we've we've covered a lot of good information mm -hmm. uh, about the theory, and uh, really, we want you to go out there and research the uh, the information. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was asked to uh, sit down and talk with you about this, Paul, uh, I had heard about it, and I had heard about it on the news, but I didn't pay attention to it. And I actually went out there and did the research, and I was like, wow. Because someone doesn't want something to be shared, they get to push their agenda mm -hmm. upon everybody else. And the crazy thing about it is, is that it's a small percentage of people. But then they do say the squeaky wheel gets to grease. Yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned something about pushing agendas, and you know there's really only three agendas. There's the world's agenda, there's our own agenda, and then there's God's agenda. Amen. And there's only one agenda. That's the perfect agenda. And, and, and that's, that's God's. That's God's that's agenda. God's agenda. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if you think about this, you know the ultimate um, advocate against social injustice is it's God? Yes, yes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's why he made us all the same on the inside. That's right. Because that's what he's looking at. And if you don't believe that, go to the Old Testament, because there is a law in there in Leviticus 19, 35, and 36 that says, do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Mm -hmm. Use honest scales and honest weights, an honest ephah and an honest hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Proverbs 16.11 says, Honest scales and balances belong to the Lord. All weights in the bag are of his making. In other words, this isn't just talking about money. This isn't just talking about when you're weighing something out. It's talking about corruption. Yes. It's talking about corruption. It's talking about the Lord 
expects us to deal with each other as brothers and sisters in him, to deal with each other equally. And there are only two commandments when you think about it. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And I got to tell you guys, uh, wait a minute. I don't want you to, I don't want you guys to think I'm selfish, but hey, I love me some of me. You love some of you? I love me some of me. <laughs> I love some of you too. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Timothy, for being on and for giving yeah. us uh, your insight. And man, I just, I just loved having you well, on. Well, I appreciate you having me, brother. Um, Paul, it's, uh, it's, um, I think it's really the will of the Lord mm. uh, that we uh, get an opportunity to sit down and speak about these things. I do too. I do too. And so, you know, one thing that, that we always, not always, but we often talk about here is that when it comes to disagreements and arguments, you know what? Uh, it, it, the end result should be we walk away with a sense of peace knowing that I'm your brother, you're yes. my brother, and, you know, we love each other, and that has to be agape, unconditional love. I once had a wise man tell me, it's better to be righteous than to be right. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, we love you guys, and just remember, stay in the Word, stay alert, and be not deceived. God Amen. bless you. Bye-bye. Bye.